You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 728 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live here from State Farm Arena after what was a pretty disappointing effort from the Hawks, as you, I'm sure, saw if you listened to this podcast by the final score of 127 to 88. Yes, 127 to 88, a pretty dismal effort from the Hawks. We'll talk all about that game um, that I just watched and that I'm sure a lot of you watched um, on this podcast. It's going to be most of what's going to be transpiring on the show. I did promise myself I would start on a positive note, win or lose, so I'm going to do that now. And that uh, a couple of people were talking about this, and I think I've been on a, on a couple of, ta- of tangents lately about this, about just how insane John Collins has been. And I will say he was not great tonight by his standards. But previous to that, uh, a few numbers that I wanted to pass along to you that were making the rounds earlier in the day on Monday that I would definitely want to uh, share with you here. In the month of February, John Collins became the first player in NBA history yes, NBA history, to average 25 and 10 and shoot 60% from the floor, 50% from three, and 80% from the free throw line in a full calendar month. That is obviously quite insane production and efficiency from John. Also, I noted coming into this game, and by the way, this streak is now over, which is kind of ironic considering that I wrote it down and shared it on Twitter before the game started, but Collins shot 50% or better in every single game from January 12th until tonight. It was a 22-game streak where he shot 50% or better. That is absolutely ridiculous uh, as well. He shot 65% from the floor during that sample with uh, three-point shooting in the mid-40s, so I know he wasn't great in this game, but I wanted to take a second and talk about that at the outset. Um, win or lose, and I have it written down. I know it was not, I was, I was not necessarily playing on this being a 39-point loss, well, the Hawks, admittedly, but I wanted to at least put that out there. And from this point forward, the podcast will be decidedly less positive, as you might imagine. Okay, to the game itself. Obviously, the Hawks were a little bit shorthanded in this game. If you watched it, you certainly would have felt that. And Atlanta only had 10 available players because Cam Reddish, who uh, left the game early on Saturday with, with low back pain, was listed as questionable early in the day and then was downgraded to doubtful at about 5 o'clock Eastern time. And then Lloyd Pierce actually didn't know whether he was going to play or not, but then the Hawks ended up ruling him out before game time. Not a huge surprise. You want to be pretty careful with a guy like that. Obviously, I think, you know, without knowing, the fact that Cam was listed as questionable means that he was at least close to playing at some point in the day here. But um, with three days off for the Hawks, there was obviously no reason to push a rookie in a situation where you're not necessarily pushing for the playoffs. So I was okay with that, with that decision. But it did leave the Hawks pretty shorthanded. On the flip side, Memphis is still without Jaron Jackson and Brendan Clark, who are you know two of their top five or six guys. Um, so it wasn't as if there was this huge mismatch on paper. Atlanta was the shallower team for sure with, with only 10 buys available, and that was a theme that was pointed out. Also, I'm going to say this now. It's not an excuse. It is somewhat of an explanation, still not one that carries a whole lot of water for me. This was the third game in four nights for the Hawks, the fourth game in six nights for the Hawks. And you know obviously some tired legs could be in the mix here. Um, that does not excuse losing by 39 points at home to a team that's not exactly fantastic right now. Uh, I know Memphis is a is, is a playoff team um, in terms of their overall performance this season, but at the moment they're not playing all that well. I know they beat the Lakers in their last game, but before that they lost five or six in a row. And Memphis, as constructed without Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark, is probably not the team that you would that you would say is supposed to come in here and beat the crap out of the Hawks. And that happened in this game. So all that said, the Hawks were favored actually in Las Vegas coming in because they were at home and because of Memphis's shortcomings in terms of the uh, of their availability. So keep that in mind as you go through this game. The Hawks were, quote-unquote, supposed to win this game. And uh, considering that they were 8-2 and two at home in their last 10, that was probably a pretty good 
um, projection. Honestly, all of the systems that I follow between 538 and Sportsline and Number Fire, all, all those places had the Hawks as a slight favorite in this game and uh, did not hold the water along the way. So we'll go to the game. It'll be a little bit shorter, I'm sure, as, uh, than it has been the last couple of podcasts because of the fact that it was so bad. But here we go. Um, at the top, it was pretty hideous on both sides. Frankly, there was a hilarious fast break that actually started off and I would say became a microcosm of the game uh, in the first minute or so. Bruno Fernando waited a little bit too long to pass the ball to Trey Young on a fast break. Trey, to his credit, still gathered and threw a nice lob pass to Bruno, but he uh, missed it, and uh, it, the Hawks went empty on that possession. Memphis didn't score for a long, long time. They actually opened this game 0 of 11 from the floor. And when you realize that Memphis scored 127 points, that seems even funnier. But Memphis was just terrible at the outset. The Hawks were not much better, only 2 of 11. In fact, they, they did lead 7-0, the Hawks did. In the early going after a three by Kevin Herter, and Memphis didn't score for the first four minutes and 11 seconds. In fact, Jonas Valanciunas had eight rebounds. Yes, eight rebounds before the team actually scored a single point. Just a profoundly strange start to this game on both ends of the floor. Pretty hideous. Collins missed a dunk in this stretch. Memphis only scored two points in about six minutes, but still no, no separation from Atlanta. In fact, the Hawks um, led this game for most of the first quarter, um, but it was a situation where it kind of felt like the Hawks gave away an opportunity, and it felt obviously more like that later on when Memphis really turned it on. But the Hawks probably should have been up, probably should have been up, you know, 12, 15 points in the first quarter. And instead, after a uh, sort of a long and arduous road, the Hawks actually trailed by a point at the end of the first quarter. And that was probably a bad sign in retrospect um, because of the fact that Memphis shot 9.7 from the floor, and they were winning the quarter after being 0 of 11 from the floor because the Hawks just could not score on a consistent basis. Uh, in the second quarter, it wasn't much better. In fact, I tweeted this about at about the six-minute mark of the second quarter that the first 18 minutes of this game were as bad or worse when compared to any NBA game that I have seen this season. And I don't only watch the Hawks. I cover the whole league for diamond other places. So um, this is not a Hawks-only thing, but certainly um, some of the worst basketball you'll ever see in this uh, in the first 18, in the first quarter and a half or so on both ends. It was not only Atlanta. Memphis was terrible as well, but that's worth pointing out. And by the way, another uh, microcosm of that was, that was that Josh Jackson – blew a wide open fast break dunk and missed it by quite a bit. If you saw the layup, sorry, if you, if you saw the video of that um, missed dunk attempt, you would probably just have been you know, aghast by that. I saw it live and was kind of perplexed, and there you go on that. Um, Memphis did wake up finally, though, and had a 15-0 run in the second quarter to take a 12-point lead. The Hawks didn't score for almost four minutes. That was a bad sign. In fact, at that point in time, Atlanta was 10 of 40 from the floor and 2 of 14 from three with an offensive rating in the low 70s. That is really bad. Um, I will say they came out of a timeout in the middle of that, and Bruno had a couple of bad stretches. And in fact, you know, everybody was bad in this game, but Bruno was, I would say, markedly bad, even worse than most. I um, wanted to point that out because he had a couple of rough, rough moments in that first half. Finally, the Hawks did score six points in a hurry after on threes by Travion Graham and John Collins, and they trailed by as many as 14 in the second quarter, but there was a nice little run from Atlanta, um, actually 14 to three overall to close the half. Trey Young hit a, th- sorry, Trae Young, Trae Young hit a f- sort of a mini floater um, slash mid range jump shot uh, near the buzzer. And suddenly the Hawks get from down 14 to only down by three. And uh, you know, along the way, it felt like the Hawks played terrible because they did, but only being down three, it was definitely a pretty live performance. The Hawks shot 33, 33% from the floor in the first half and just didn't have much going. They had 10 assists and 10 turnovers. Just not a whole lot of positivity, frankly. Trey Young had 15 at the half, but he wasn't he wasn't great in his own right. Um, you know, there was one nice block from Trey when he actually blocked Kyle Anderson in the corner on a corner three, but more than anything, the Hawks kind of probably felt lucky to be down by three, um, given the way that they played in the first in the first full, uh, full half, but in short order, that changed, and I will come back in a second to talk about more of that, but uh, after this quick break, uh, we'll dive back into the second half and the individual stuff, so stay tuned and hold on tight. 
All right, we're back to talk about the third, fourth quarters and beyond, and it was pretty bad, obviously. Spoiler alert for the Hawks to go down by only three at the halftime break and lose this game by 39 points. That kind of paints the picture of the second half. And uh, fast-forwarding a little bit here, it was a 75-39 to split in the second half. That is really bad. Um, in the third quarter alone, it was a 20-3 to run early on in the third by Memphis to take a 19-point lead. The Hawks scored seven points in the first seven and a half minutes of the third quarter. Just a terrible stretch of basketball from the Hawks. There's just no, way, no other way to put that offensively. It was just inept execution. Defensively, it wasn't markedly worse, but Memphis started making their shots that they probably should have made in the first half, and uh, the, the spread of the game and on the scoreboard definitely separated from that point forward. The Hawks did cut it down, if you want to say that, to 16 at the end of the third quarter, but they, they won the sort of a majority bench lineup at the end of the third. I felt like um, maybe a message being sent. Trey Young, Kevin Herter, and DeAndre Hunter sat for the final five and a half minutes of the third quarter. That's definitely longer than they would normally sit, and the Hawks weren't playing all that well. They did open the fourth quarter back on the court, but Memphis hit back-to-back threes in a hurry to go up by 22 out of, out of that timeout break, and then it was a 10-2 to 10 to run overall by Memphis to open the fourth quarter to go up by 24 points. The game wasn't over over at that point, but it probably was, and obviously ended up being um, Pierce yanked all the starters at the 940 mark after that timeout. Um, clearly frustrated with them, and because you only have 10 guys available, the bench unit the Hawks had in this game was pretty bad. I mean, you're talking about Jeff T, Brandon Goodwin, um, Travion Grant, Vince Carter, Damian Jones. That's not a lineup that NBA teams want to be using at this point in time. Obviously, a couple guys in that lineup that, that you don't mind necessarily, but playing them all together, not ideal. And uh, the Hawks basically, you know, w- when the starters came out of the game, by the way, at the 940 mark, they were a combined 13 of 53 from the floor. And that was, uh, you know, midway through the third quarter, or uh, sorry, through the fourth quarter or so. That is 24.5% from the floor. The best shooter at that point in time for the starters was Kevin Herter at 4 of 12, which is 33%. So that kind of tells you that it was not just one person or two people or three people. It was basically everyone that was bad in this game. And when they came out of the game, it was basically over already, but it was uh, certainly over from there. Um, that actually became a 19-4 run overall from Memphis, and the Hawks trailed by 31 with about eight minutes to go. From there, it was pretty much academic. Um, the, the stars did come back in at times. First, it was Hunter and Fernando at about the six-minute mark. And then Trey Young came in at the 544 mark with a lead at 36. One possession later after a timeout, all five stars were back in the game. And the Hawks, um, at one point, lost a 19-minute segment. So 19 minutes is you know about a quarter and a half. The Hawks lost a 19-minute segment of the game by 35 points. That tells you everything you need to know about this game. The third quarter, I mean, the Hawks were not good in the first quarter, first quarter second quarter, any quarter in this game. But... The worst stretch was obviously the beginning of uh, the whole third and uh, the first half of the fourth quarter to go from down three to down 35. Um, the Hawks actually showed by as many as 41 in the final minutes and before they settled in at the 38 point, sorry, 39 point final margin. Um, in the second half, the Grizzlies shot 66% from the floor and 64% from three. That's a little bit of hot shooting, obviously, for Memphis, but some of that was the Hawks playing bad defense. And in the fourth quarter, it was even worse, 75%. From the floor, 15 of 20 for Memphis in the fourth quarter, and eight of 11 from three. So, you know, I my argument would be Memphis sh- sort of shot unseasonably bad in the first half, and then they shot obviously a little bit over their head in the second half. But all told, Memphis had relatively normal-looking shooting in this game. It was still pretty good shooting. They shot 50% from the floor and 44% from three. Now that's a little bit better than you would expect, but nothing out of the ordinary. A true shooting percent of 60%, that's good. It's not incredibly ridiculous. And they had a 123 offensive rating, that's also very good. But when you factor in the fact that the Hawks were as bad as they were offensively, it made things look even worse. And of course, uh, Memphis, by the way, uh, by my count, had nine 
Uh, yes, nine players in double figures. That's a number that you don't often see in the NBA. No player from Memphis scored more than 17 points, and they had nine guys in double figures. So a, the definition of balanced scoring for the Grizzlies, uh, the bench was dominant for them. A lot of that was the fourth quarter when it didn't really matter, but still the game was still academic by the fact that it was nine minutes to go. And it was, they sort of put it away a little bit more, and the Hawks probably don't lose this game by 39 points very often, but still um, the spread there was uh, can be attributed to Memphis playing well in the second half when the Hawks just did not do that. Offensively, it was just an absolute catastrophe for the Hawks, frankly. Uh, 85 offensive rating at home against the Memphis team that, is, that can be scored on, to be sure, especially without Jackson and Clark. Um, 41% true shooting. That is re- that's really bad. 32% from the floor. 9 of 35 from 3. Both those numbers are very bad. And in fact, uh, individually, the only player on the Hawks roster that shot 50% in this game was Damian Jones, who's 3 of 5. Um, the next best was 40% was Brandon Goodwin at two, at 2 of 5. So basically no one, I would say, look, full stop, no one on the Hawks played good offensively. Damian got the closest, if you want to say, by, by their baseline. I would say this, um, individually, if you compare the performances of each, of each, of each player to their normal average uh, of, of an overall performance, I, I would say the only guys that you could even maybe argue played as good or better than their normal selves was Travion Graham and maybe Damian Jones, and that was basically it. Everybody else, I know Jeff Teague had some moments in the third quarter, for instance, he had a couple of nice flashes, and the bench was not as bad as the starters, but it was just terrible, honestly, all the way up and down, and uh, to lose this guy by 39 points kind of, t- kind of tells the story. Um, individually, we'll go through a little bit here. Uh, Travion Graham, as, as I mentioned before, had some nice moments. He had five points, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal in his 23 minutes. He was minus 18, though. It was 2 of 7 from the floor. Um, he was just okay. It wasn't like he was fantastic, just uh, not notably bad. Vince Carter was 2 of 9 from the floor. Made a couple shots, but, uh, you know, Vince kind of, you know, this year it's a lot of 2 of 9, I feel like, for Vince Carter. Brandon Goodwin was, uh, you know, not bad by any stretch, but not great either. Seven points, two of five from the floor, four rebounds for Brandon Goodwin in 19 minutes. He was not, like, notably good or bad. Jeff Teague, as I said before, a nice third quarter from Jeff. That's kind of That was kind of it, 12 points and 17 minutes for him. And Damian Jones actually was pretty good in the first half, um, at least by his standards. I thought he was notably better than Bruno Fernando in this game. But that's uh, definitely a small, uh, I would say a low bar to clear, given how bad Bruno played. But Damian was a little bit better than he uh, probably normally is. 6.7 rebounds and two block shots off the bench for Jones. Uh, to the starters. Again, no one played well of the starting five, and I would definitely say that, again, no one out of the starting five played well. Um, Bruno Fernando was the worst of the five. Two points, six rebounds, three, of, three assists, one of eight from the floor. And for someone with Bruno's shot profile, one of, one of eight from the floor is uh, even worse than it probably sounds. Um, he did take a couple of jump shots he probably, you know, you want him to take. He took two open threes. He missed them both, but they were actually decent shots, and you have to have him shoot that shot. I know it's not necessarily going to go in at a high rate right now, but I'm okay with Bruno shooting that. It was everything else. He just kind of had some bad hands moments, uh, dropping passes. Defensively, was kind of lost in this game. Just kind of a bad night for Bruno. Um, DeAndre Hunter, after two very good games on Friday uh, and Saturday, was quite bad in this game. Six points, seven rebounds, three assists, and did have two block shots, but uh, three of 11 from the floor, 0 4 from three, which is kind of invisible on the way to a minus 35 plus minus in this game. Kevin Herter, 5 of 14 from the floor. He was the only guy, um, along with John Collins, that shot decently well from three point range. He was three of eight, but uh, two of six on twos. Five rebounds, four assists, two steals, and a block shot. I don't think he was particularly good. Um, you could argue he might have been, you know, the best one compared to their normal baselines on offense only, but that's kind of a low bar to clear anyway. I, th- I don't think he was very. I don't think he was very good. Just the numbers don't look as bad as some. Um, John Collins, 
as I said before, it's kind of unfortunate timing because of all the attention that he got a little bit on Monday. I thought he's been obviously, he's obviously just been lights out. I've done a couple of soliloquies about how good he has been on this podcast in the last few, but this game was a little bit more of a crash down for John. 12 points, 4 of 11 from the floor. Did make 2 of 4 from 3, but was only 2 of 7 on 2s. 3 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 block, and 5 turnovers for Collins. Just not, not his night by any stretch. Uh, it was no one's night, by the way. And then Trey Young, um, not his night either. He had a couple of uh, free throws at the end of the first half. He actually had 15 points in the first half based on nine free throw attempts. He did not get to the line at all in the second half. Um, he was just not good by his standards, by the way, and he owned up to that after the game. Uh, in fact, there was kind of a funny moment. He was The first question that he was asked uh, started with something about how uh, the Hawks started out well, and he stopped the questioner in the middle and said, no, we didn't start out well, we, did, we started out bad. And I would agree with him on that. It was not good most of the way, including the first half. But uh, Trey finished this game with 19 points, which is uh, the leading scorer on the team, but had seven turnovers, only two assists. Um, just a bad game for him, a bad game for everyone, but 5-17 from the floor. 0-4 from three. So it was equal opportunity badness for Atlanta offensively. And I, I can't tell you again how bad an 85 offensive rating actually is in a game like this against Memphis at home. And again, I, I understand the tired legs theories. I, I'm with you on that. But um, there's a difference between, between losing this game by 10 and being generally competitive. And then there's losing this game by 39 points. And you just can't justify that. So um, is this the worst game of the season? You know, it's in the running. I think that obviously early on in the year when they were playing shorthanded, there was that Rockets game where they were down by 60 at one point. That was probably worse. But at the same time, that Rockets team was a lot better than this Memphis team is right now. Also, that game was on the road. It was a back-to-back, et cetera, et cetera. So if you want to, you know, tell me this is the worst game of the season for the Hawks, I wouldn't necessarily scream at you for that take. I'm not sure it is, but it's certainly in the top five and uh, kind of inexplicable and I'm sure frustrating. I know the fan base was kind of frustrated about this. I would say it's better to be level. You know, people were talking about they're just kind of throwing this one out, not watching the film. I totally understand that viewpoint. It's kind of an outlier bad performance from Atlanta, and now they have three days off to kind of stew on this one before they play again on Friday night. So we'll see how they respond in that in that game. I would point people back to um, the joy and the, uh, I would say, positivity from Friday and Saturday. So, again, it's probably smart not to get too high and too low. I do understand being frustrated about this performance, though, because it was very bad. So all that to say, the Hawks now, uh, <laughs> you know, record-wise, only, it's only one loss. 19-44 on the season now. 19 games remaining, and we'll see how they fare looking ahead. Um, we will have another, at least one more, probably two more podcasts between now and the, and the next game because there are three days off. The Hawks are in D.C. on Friday. And by the way, they have a rematch with Memphis in Memphis on Saturday night on the second night of a back-to-back. So we'll see how they fare in that one. Um, Memphis is playing Friday night, too, so that, there'll be a little bit um, of, an, of a level playing field in that game. And uh, you're hoping, if you're the Hawks, that Cam Reddish is back because – you know, Cam wouldn't have fixed a 39-point deficit, but he obviously would have been very helpful in this game, both defensively against John Morant and also offensively just kind of having another ball handler on the floor, et cetera, et cetera. So um, get back soon, Cam. Get back soon, Dwayne Debman, uh, all that all that fun stuff. And, uh, yeah, please subscribe to the podcast. This will be a little bit shorter than normal, but I think you can probably understand why after a 39-point loss. And please, as always, excuse the background noise. I'm still in the arena, so that explains that. Um, subscribe to the podcast, tell a friend about the show, and if you are listening all the way through on a night where the Hawks lost by almost 40 points, you are certainly a diehard, and I appreciate that greatly. Um, and we'll see everybody. I, I have I have plans in the works. I don't want to leak uh, out a, a guest until it's actually locked down, but there are plans to record with a guest on Tuesday. Actually, be the first time they've ever been on the podcast, and I'm looking forward to that. So hopefully that will be coming through. And if that does happen, the pod will be up for your Wednesday morning commute, so stay tuned for all of that. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time.